0: as the number 100 is in the grand scheme of things. Uh, after the plans that I originally had for episode 100 fell through, I decided that the best use of this episode was to say some thank yous. Uh, there'll also be a Q&A coming up after the thank yous. So to just kick straight off with the thank yous, um, I'd like to thank every single person that's taken the time to be a guest on the show. The generosity with your time and and the courteous nature of everyone that's agreed to be a guest on the show genuinely means so much. It hasn't gone unappreciated and I genuinely am so thankful to have had the opportunity to learn so much from so many different people um, of so many different backgrounds. I guess to start off with, let's say thanks to my Patreons, um, Jason Hunter, Pete Hutchison, Dan L and Jason Wade. It's been tremendous to have people that are willing to support what it is that I'm doing in the way that you do. And uh, I really am thankful. I am desperately trying to find a way to uh, improve the way that I use Patreon, but it's something that I am definitely not skilled at. Uh, But giving you guys the early access and you guys reciprocating by staying uh, patrons of the uh, podcast is, is really appreciated. So thank you all so much. Next up, let's talk about the guests that made more than one appearance. There was only five over the course of 99 episodes, which I'm pretty proud of, um, if you exclude me, I guess. Uh, David Shukri, AJ Charlton, Andrew Clifton-Brown, Hugh Rawson, and Poppy Haskell. Thank you all for taking the time to not only appear once, but to uh, admit that you're a glutton for punishment and come back for a second occasion. Um, I'm hoping to have you all on again at some point, and it's so interesting to kind of move the conversation beyond the initial podcast and see where it goes next. Thank you all so much for your time. An interesting fact about the uh, guests that I've had on over the course of 99 episodes is that thanks to, in a weird kind of way, thanks to COVID, um, I've actually had guests from Europe, North America, Asia, Australasia, and Africa. Um only leaving out South America and the Antarctic for continents that I haven't hit. Being able to talk to people that are obviously from such different cultural backgrounds is so interesting to find out their priorities, their preferences, and just their way of approaching anything creative. And I'm very thankful in the position that I'm in to have had the opportunity to speak to people of such talent from such a wide uh, array of areas. The last thank you is for the people that listen, the people that share. Um, and the people that comment and and let me know what they think and give suggestions on who I should have on next. The pandemic hasn't been easy by any stretch of the imagination, and I know that's an understatement. To say the least, it's hit so many people very hard. The catalyst for the speed at which the podcast moved forward was actually my wife moving out to stay at her workplace for a month to look after people in end-of-life care and people with COVID. Um, She put herself in a tremendously um, dangerous position for uh, the only reason that she cares, not because she was told to. In fact, I think she was actively um, pushed to not do it by her workplace, but she wanted to be there. She wanted to be someone on the front line helping. And um, obviously that makes her an incredible human being. And, And thank you to everybody that's made sacrifices such as that. And that actually pushed forward the podcast because I found myself in a position of being depressed and worried for vast swaths of time while my wife was away. You know, worrying about her safety, worrying about what we were going through, watching my business um, disintegrate uh, thanks to the measures that input put in place. And the podcast was a fantastic distraction. These are hard times. And I just want to thank... Um, people for inspiring me, for keeping my spirits up and my mind busy. And I would ask at this point, um, I know that we're in a bit of an age where it's very easy to reshare negativity and to reshare disasters and to reshare horrors of the world. And to a certain extent, it obviously makes a lot of sense because um, awareness does help. But I would ask that people start to engage a little bit more compassion with the mental state of the people around them. And rather than constantly share the negativity, start to look at sharing some positivity. And in lieu of that, reach out to people around you, people that are struggling, people that are quiet, people that you are concerned about, and people maybe that you don't even realise you should be concerned about. Just ask around, see how people are doing, be a good ear for people, and just try and help. It's a very difficult time for everybody, and I would really like it if something positive could come out of all of this, as opposed to just waiting for the next disaster to post on Instagram and have a go at other people about or shame people into caring. So with the thank yous out the way and with that message out the way, I thought I would uh, just move straight on to the Q and A's. I put a story up on my Instagram and uh, lots of people put in questions, lots of very interesting questions. And I made the incredible mistake of not writing these down in any particular order. I just wrote them down in the order that I saw them which I'm now realising is going to backfire quite horrendously uh, when it comes to how this is going to be incredibly random, the the way that this section draws out. And rather than me now try and suddenly make sense of it, I'm just going to run with the order that I wrote down. So these are all just random questions. All I was asked was for questions. It could have been about anything. Some of them are specifically about the podcast. Some of them are about photography in general. Let's get rolling. So first question... Um, is a sort of an umbrella of a couple of questions that I got um, that are fairly closely related. One being, what's the best camera I've ever used? And uh, another being, describe my perfect camera. So the best camera I've ever used is a difficult question, but um, quite easy to break down. If you're talking in terms of the features it has and its ability to do as many things as possible, I would say um, the a7R three or the a7 III were both... Um, they're just incredibly high spec, very easy to use, um, produce fantastic images and have a ton of features beyond what I would even know what to do with. Um, As far as favorite camera to use, which I think is a slightly different question, I would say probably either the 5D Mark IV or the EOS 3. And as far as the perfect camera, if I was to design my perfect camera, um, I would probably design something around the 5D Mark IV that had no video features that, that was that was removed as an option um, which would open up hopefully some um, processing space for the stills features to be improved um, even beyond where they are and after that there's really not a lot I would want. I, I'm just someone that feels like 50% of my camera is geared towards something that I'm never going to touch Uh, Next question. Is there anyone in history, alive or dead, that you would like to interview and shoot? And the and shoot part of that is what makes it um, a difficult question. As far as interviewing goes, I mean, I could go down the obvious route of saying someone like Ansel Adams because of their dearth of knowledge and their influence on photography as it is now. I would probably say Mario Testino. I feel like he's one of the last photographers that's really carrying forwards uh, an attitude and a mood when it comes to their work, as opposed to um, trying to find an almost graphic design perfection in the way that he photographs models, the way that he photographs celebrities and so on. Um, I also think as far as um, as a portrait subject, he would be fascinating and terrifying to photograph. Uh, next question is obviously someone that knows me quite well. Um what is the best lens you've used and why is it the 135mm f2? Um so yeah, the 135mm f2 L lens is an a baby of mine. I absolutely love that lens. I think it's honestly as close to um perfection as a lens can get for what it's designed to do. That being said, I have a few others to to throw in. Um the Sigma 50mm uh, 1.4 art lens is the only 50mm that's ever made me want to shoot at that focal length. Um, the Lomography Petzval 85 and 58mm um, versions are both phenomenal lenses and super fun to use. The time I spent with Fuji would probably lead me to say that the Miticon 35mm f0.95 um, is definitely my favourite manual focus lens, uh, but another lens for that system was the 60mm uh, 1.4. Um, amazing close focus. Not, I like any lens, whether intentional or not, that has a gimmick, that has something that makes it incredibly individual. Genres that you haven't shot yet that you'd like to. Pretty much just sports photography, in particular ice hockey. I've never photographed ice hockey and I would really like to. It's, it would be a, an amazing experience to combine two of my favorite things in um, hockey and photography. And it's something that I will do at some point, but it's definitely not high on my priority list with the amount of other stuff that I would like to get done within the few genres that I've even become remotely uh, literate in. Genres that you haven't enjoyed. This one's a little bit more difficult because I think it depends on your experiences overall, because there's been days where I've enjoyed portraiture very little and weddings very little, but overall, they're my favorite genres. And, you know, I could have tried something once and it'd be the best day to try and the best circumstances. So I didn't really give this one much thought, but I would probably say product photography, Um, anything that's incredibly sterile and um, there's not much chaos theory involved. It doesn't excite me. So I would say that's the one that right now gives me uh, the least feeling of wanting to pick up my camera. What were your early mistakes in photography? This is a very short podcast, so I don't want to bore people, um, and there are many of those, but I would say uh, chief among them, the obvious things like paying more attention to gears and technical ability, um, not developing a taste early enough, even though I did develop the style that I wanted fairly early. If I just started it earlier, that would always have been an improvement. But I'd say my main mistake was kind of um, putting experience on a plateau and putting it up on a pedestal where I thought that, you know, because someone had been doing something for 20 years, that instantly made them good and therefore they were the standard I should aim for. When in actual fact, there are people that pick up a camera for the first time and immediately start producing amazing work because they have an incredible eye for detail. They have an incredible eye for expression or whatever. And I I spent a little bit too much time early on focusing on whether or not someone was worth listening to based on um, experience. Someone's been listening to the podcast who asked the next question because I do like this question of my guests, but uh, what's my worst habit? I'd say at the moment my worst habit is thinking that I'm taking up too much of the subject's time um, and I could actually push a little bit harder and get a little bit more out of um, the shoot that I'm doing but I'm more concerned with not frustrating or boring or irritating the subject and that's something that I'm going to work quite hard on to fix before the next bad habit develops. Who would be your dream portrait subject? Uh, so this is a list I've gone through on the podcast before but I, if you want me to pick one person right now I'll pick one male one female I would say Chris Cornell obviously not with us anymore very sadly but he would be someone I would I would be amazed if I'm not allowed to pick someone who's no longer with us, then Lenny Kravitz. Um, And female, I would pick Rihanna. I think she's got an amazing bone structure and amazing face. And um, I think she's incredible in front of a camera. Modern trends in photography that you don't like. Um, There's a few, you know, not, I don't want to harp on negative stuff too much, but there are definitely a few. I think I've mentioned before that the fact that I currently shoot Sony there are a lot of stereotypes about Sony shooters, and on on the whole, they seem to be quite true with the way that sort of Sony users present their work and the the style that they work within. But ignoring that, my my most disliked current trend is just the sheer degree at, at which we're editing people. I think we've just gone to the point of graphic design as opposed to it being photo editing and. I'm a bit sad about that. I feel like we're now at the point where because of the high resolution of cameras and the incredibly strenuous editing that's being done on those files, people are starting to look like cartoons and it's sad because it's bad documentation. It's not everywhere, but it's certainly very prominent in the uh, portrait world. Uh, Next question is going to be a hard one to answer because of my lack of experience, but favourite film stock? Um, I've only been shooting film with any seriousness since the start of lockdown. So I would probably just base it off of um, my very limited experience. In terms of color, Portra 400 is the obvious choice. I do find it to be a little bit washed out and a little bit boring. Um, and I'm about to shoot some Ektar and see if that's any different. I'd also like to try Fuji 400, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, and as far as black and white goes, I'm kind of. Kodak T-Max 100 in studio has been amazing um I've just started working with Cinestil BWXX and I'm, I'm a really big fan of how inky that is um and probably in terms of just my most used would be HP5 but I think that's probably everyone's answer the hardest genre to shoot um I've said this before and it's sounds incredibly self-promotional but I would say wedding photography because it isn't a genre it encompasses about 25 different genres of photography and I think that wedding photographers get a seriously how do I put this they get incredibly belittled considering the amount of work that they put in and the difficulty of the job that they do and I feel like they're being incredibly undervalued by uh, the photographic community I would also say uh, street photography is in there as well, purely because of the haphazard nature and the um, inability to foresee how things are going to sort of going to go. If I do a portrait shoot and I know I'm working with a certain person, I can do quite a large degree of planning. Whereas with street photography, you have to be very adaptable why don't I do the podcasts as videos is a common question I actually get. And it's pretty straightforward. Um, Of the 99 podcasts I've done, I probably wouldn't have been able to make half of them if it was on video. I've been told by many guests that they wouldn't want to do it if it was on video. Um, And I didn't really want it to be in the first place anyway. I wanted it to be something you listen to while you're doing something else. So it's kind of, you're kind of taking in the information, but you're not being restricted by having to sit there and stare at a screen. Um, so that's why I don't do it as video. Uh, there's a few questions like this. I think I've actually put two of these in, but that's okay. Uh, dream guest for the podcast. There's a few, I mean, I've, I've begged Agatha Serge to come on. She won't come on, which is very sad. Uh, Emily Soto's probably biggest inspiration for me shooting portraits. And to be honest, after that, I've been really fortunate. You know, I've had Ross Harvey on who's an absolute idol of mine when it comes to photography. I've had Ryan Brenneiser, who influenced so much about what I do. Peter Coulson's been on, uh, Amanda Diaz. I mean, it's uh, Nathan Elson's been on. There's just been so many people that have been on that I've been so lucky that I've had many of my dream guests actually appear. Um, But I would definitely say if I could get Agatha Serge and Amanda Diaz, I might be in the position to retire the podcast at that point uh photographic gear that you couldn't live without um this is quite easy but quite surprising i would say that given that i shoot weddings the most universally usable lens that i found is a 35 mil uh 1.4 is what i use i use the sigma r and that I, I if you took that away from me and asked me to shoot a wedding i would be fine but not happy and I would probably get lost at certain points over the course of the day that's probably the most important thing Um, if we're talking non-camera non-lens I would say um, probably a loop deck when it comes to editing I'm really big fan of using a loop deck not the newer one the actual one of the original ones because it's very tactile it's not digital it's it's very sort of um it's just dials and sliders and very easy to use uh do i listen to other podcasts i do but i don't listen to photography ones actually one of the reasons that i kept this audio was because i'm a fan of listening to other podcasts while i'm doing stuff um that don't have video or that i just wouldn't pay attention to the video anyway um but again they're not they're not photographic i listen to movie podcasts i listen to podcasts about all all sorts of different things but just not photography Um, usually because I find that they are um, either I don't know how to put this but very self-serving it's almost like the guest is the host um, and it's all about him or her and not so much about the people they have on and I find that to be quite tedious but there you go, irony considering this episode which guest would you like to be your co-host so I guess this would be a previous guest I've had on that I'd like to have come and be co-host if that was in a permanent sense um that's a really difficult question because there's been so many um Scott Whipperman's great I think we have really good chemistry when we talk to each other and we hit things off straight away uh Hugh Rawson I think has just an absolute dearth of knowledge and he has such an interesting way about him uh Peter Coulson I think that we both respect the same elements of photography but he's obviously vastly higher up the ladder than me so in that sense it would be very interesting there's really not many that I, I would say would be bad co-hosts or that I wouldn't enjoy them being co-hosts but yeah one of those for definite if I if you put a gun to my, se- my head and said I had to pick one I would probably say uh, Scott Wiferman. have I ever not liked someone on the podcast so not liked probably isn't the word. There's definitely been times where there just hasn't been any chemistry there in in a sense. And I have had a couple of situations where the podcast has started and it has immediately become apparent that the person doesn't want to be there or is, to me, acting in a way that would tell me that they don't want to be on the podcast, which is very strange because no one's being forced to. And in that sense you know, that's it's a lot harder as an interview because you're really trying to get blood out of a stone. But it's the nature of of meeting that many people, especially not in person, meeting them via a Zoom call or Skype or whatever. There's going to be a situation where you're just not you're just not going to click. Funniest cancellation of a shoot reason. So the funniest reason someone's cancelled a shoot on me. Um Do you know what? I'm gonna probably draw a blank here, and I'll remember one afterwards. That's that's so much better than the one I'll give. Um, I okay. So I once had a model cancel on me because they were they were so horribly sunburned that they couldn't shoot, and I was like, okay, you know, it's a bit it's a bit irresponsible, but that's understandable. Um, only for them to then post in their story that they were traveling to shoot with someone else which is obviously a bit of a kick in the teeth. And, you know, I'm not someone that avoids confrontation. So when I challenged them on it, um, they said that they didn't cancel on me because of that reason. Um, and their, their excuse didn't really make much sense. And and they, they finished it off with, um, they said to me, well, if, if you had booked a shoot with a model, but then Kate Moss asked to work with you, you'd work with Kate Moss. And I was like, cool. I've just turned into not Kate Moss. So I was, it was pretty, it was, I respect honesty, even if it's from a really unrespectable position. So, you know, it was funny. At least it was funny. Uh, has anyone refused to come on the podcast? Many, many people have refused to come on. Probably most notably, um, Agatha Serge has, has turned me down on several occasions, unfortunately. And there are different ways that people do it. Quite often, people are quite polite. I've had people say that they're not comfortable Um being recorded which is understandable um, I think especially given the day and age that we're living in. Um, I've had people that just ignore the message and then there are some that have been what I would describe as dicks where it would actually have been preferable for them to have just ignored me or insulted me as opposed to what they did which was to basically belittle everything about what I was doing you know each to their own uh, but it's not the way that I personally would behave. One of the funniest ones actually was a guest at a camera club near me who gave a talk in front of about 25, 30 people uh, in a church hall. Who The type of photography that he does is not something I've ever had on the podcast, so I thought it would be quite an interesting um, subject to approach with someone that was experienced. And when I approached them, they immediately let me know that I wasn't uh, big time enough for them and that I would be a waste of their time, Um, which considering I first experienced who they were in a church hall in Basingstoke, I thought that was quite funny. Have I ever been intimidated by guests? Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually intimidated almost every single time. But that's outweighed by my interest in what they do and my love of their work. Uh, most intimidating for sure was Peter Coulson, especially given that we had quite a few issues actually getting like our schedules to line up, given that he's in Australia and I'm in the UK. And then he had a a storm and a power cut on the day that we were supposed to talk. And I was pretty sure that he had just changed his mind because um, he had just stopped answering sort of messages and he wasn't actually on the call when we started. Um, And then a few hours later, he came back to me and told me what was going on. And I was so relieved. And then we started the call and I was immediately terrified because it's Peter Coulson. I'm such a huge fan. But yeah, pretty much every episode. I'm also like a weird fact, but I think this is quite common nowadays. But I'm also not very comfortable talking on the phone, which makes, you know, it's one of the big ironies that uh, my wife has pointed out that my way of um, passing time and the project I decided to start while I wasn't allowed to photograph was me talking on the phone when I'm so against talking on the phone generally. Who has been my favourite guest? This is not a question I'm particularly comfortable answering um, because there's actually been so many and there's been many that have been a massive surprise in a good way and a few that have surprised me the other way. Yeah, I'm not particularly comfortable. I will say what probably what my favourite moment was, um, which is not to say this is my favourite guest for sure, but. Um, It's not something I've given much thought to but one of my favourite moments in the podcast so far was a very emotional section during uh, the the conversation I had with Peter Coulson about uh, the great Peter Lindbergh's passing and it was a very emotional, very raw moment and uh, considering we both have a tremendous amount of respect and love for Peter Lindbergh's work, it was a lovely moment. Uh, This question is really difficult and I actually feel like I should have looked up the answer. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to buy myself some time and I'm going to quickly look up the answer. But favorite cinematographer and um, I'm, I'm a huge film fan, but I'm not someone that looks deeply into who does what in films. Generally speaking, I'm really bad at that. Um, It's something that my wife points out on a regular occasion that I'm very bad at remembering people from one film to the next. Uh, But I'd say probably my favourite, now that I've looked it up on my phone, and I'm definitely not doing this completely spur of the moment, but Emmanuel Lubezki, which I'm hoping I'm not butchering, uh, Emmanuel Lubezki is the cinematographer for The Revenant, which The Revenant is my favourite film, and on top of that, I think that... You take the film and you break it down into just a series of still shots. I think that there are a million photographs within that movie that are better than any photograph I could ever possibly take, uh, which is which is really compelling. I'd also say um, Lawrence Sher, who did The Joker. Um, there's a few shots in The Joker that just absolutely blew my mind. And although they're probably not things that people that really know about cinematography would be impressed by, it's just what speaks to me personally. So those would be my two favourites, I guess. Uh, Next question is a really good one, which is, uh, why did I start the podcast? So a lot of people mistake the fact that the podcast is something that only came about with lockdown. It actually was running for about 24, 25 episodes before that. And it's really straightforward, to be honest. I wanted a way to share work and to talk to people whose work I absolutely idolized. And I just didn't feel like other podcasts were doing it in the way that I would. I don't necessarily feel like I'm the best person to do this by any stretch of the imagination. But what I've noticed is quite a lot of YouTube and podcast sort of things are very incestuous. And they very much only want people that are going to grow their own audience. um, And they only value people based on social media following or they sort of all feed into each other. So I'll have person A on, person A will have person B on, person B will have me on. And then, and then you just kind of constantly switch places and the conversation never really grows. It becomes very sterile and stale. That was pretty much the main reason was just wanting to, to give a, a microphone to people whose work I loved and to learn as well. I've learned so much from, from the podcast. Things that you'd like to do with the podcast. And then they asked video so probably not video for the podcast, although definitely looking to uh, to restart my YouTube channel. Um, and I will be doing that soon, actually, with um, a comparison video that I'm doing between um, black and white 35mm film stocks in studio for portraits and headshots. And um, I've just put some money down on, on multiple rolls of random film. Um, and basically, I'm going to do kind of a, a shootout to see which one works out to be best. And I'm really excited about that because it's just something that speaks to me. And I think that's what I was missing before when I, when I did YouTube videos. It was more trying to do what I thought other people wanted to watch. As far as things I'd like to do with the podcast, that's a lot. That's a lot of thought that would have to go into that. Um, I would love to have guest episodes where we have guest hosts so i've talked to a few previous guests about this but basically i would love to open up the format so that other people could host and they could interview someone that they want and i feel like that is a really organic way to spread more awareness of more great work um, and also give people a break from listening to my incredibly monotonous voice but yeah that 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 would probably be the main one i'm, I'm still hoping to get some people in to do that but i'm not a hundred percent confident the hardest part of doing the podcast I would say is probably the emailing um, and the messaging people to get them to come on. Um, I get burnt out with that quite quickly because I tend to do it in fairly large installments. And um, yeah, just, you know, you can spend five or six hours sending out emails and just not get a single response for weeks on end. Th- that can be quite frustrating. And, and another sort of difficult part is when you spend a long time talking to someone about coming on the podcast and then they just kind of disappear. So they've shown a tremendous amount of interest and you're basically at the point of locking down you know, the day that you're going to do it and then you just never hear from them again. That can be quite frustrating. Other than that, it's really straightforward. I mean, it's a one man operation. So I do all of the emailing, all of the admin. I do all of the um, question writing, the research, The obviously I do the interview. Um, I'm running everything from this end, so I'm running all of the audio gear and then I do all of the editing and all of the um posting. So, you know, it's it's a bit of a labour of love, but it's something that I really enjoy and I don't know because I'm a bit of a control freak how much of that I would be willing to hand over on a regular basis. <laughs> this one, uh, I do like when you get one that can just come across really unusual and ominous, but if, if anyone knows the backstory, it's quite funny. Uh, would you let Squarespace sponsor the podcast? No, I wouldn't. Um, I actually have nothing against their product. I use their websites and I have no problem with their websites overall. I just absolutely hate the way that they market. I hate the the fact that you can't go on uh, a YouTube video, it seems, without someone really drolly dishing out the same script that we've heard a thousand times about if you need a website. Uh, domain hosting award-winning customer service you know we've all heard it a thousand times and I would just honestly not want to kind of ruin my my own reputation after mocking that so many times by then allowing them to come on and sponsor the podcast unless I guess unless I was allowed to do it in a different way but to be honest even then I don't really see a way that I would want to do it how do you choose guests? This is a cool question. So um, yeah, it's basically I have to love your work and I have to feel like you have you have something compelling to talk about um, for me. I obviously can't speak on behalf of every single audience member and I'm never going to make all the people happy all the time. But essentially, it's a very selfish game because I'm looking for people whose work I love and whose story I want to hear. And then I put that out and I hope that they get more... Um, resonance from from a wider audience. And then from there, their work gets bigger, they get to produce more of it and so on. And it's kind of a way of just watering the seeds of what I find um, to be inspiring and interesting. Uh, what YouTubers do I follow? I don't do a tremendous amount of photography based YouTubing other than ironically, but I will say that I've been enjoying the film Digit lately. Let me have a quick look on my on my app so that I'm not telling porky but I'm a big fan of Nick Carver um, he's, a, he's a panoramic god and I'm absolutely I'm down all day to watch people shoot panoramics I'm actually looking at my YouTube subscription list right now and there's a dangerously small amount of photography on there I think one of the main reasons is that quite a lot of people have chased the same format and it gets to a point where watching watching one means you've watched a lot of them I would like Eli Warren to uh, get back to making some videos because although he's only made one, it's probably one of my favourites. And he was an amazing guest as well on the podcast. Grainy Days is one of my absolute favourites. I think he's hilarious. I like anyone that's got soul-destroying um, sarcasm. Um, I'm down for that all day and, and I love his dog as well. It's really the only reason I watch it, if I'm honest. Joe Greer, his Street Diaries are probably some of my favourite um, YouTube Based street photography videos, I think that they are the best way to learn street photography. Carl McDougall, guest on episode number thirty-two, his videos are awesome, and he uh he just drives my desire to go and drive uh, Route sixty-six and take the same photos that everyone else is trying to take at the moment. Uh, Lewis Williamson from Australia, he was also a guest. His uh, he's actually the guy that convinced me to shoot portrait. I really like his work. Madison Beach, Jan Scholes, uh, yeah, there's there's so many. I don't really want to. I mean, Peter Coulson does amazing live streams. I would definitely suggest anyone that's interested in his work to watch his uh, to watch his live streams. You know what? To be honest with you, the majority of stuff that I watch on YouTube is actually like really, really childish. It's like I like watching flat Earth debunking. I like watching conspiracy theories. Um, it's all that kind of stuff I watch when I'm editing. So. Yeah, it's, it's not, um, it's not, uh, okay, so I'll tell you what, one really random one that's kind of closely related to photography, probably one of my absolute favourite channels on YouTube is uh, The Proper People. And I, although I'm not personally an urbex person, I, I find what they do fascinating, and I think they're so respectful to the places they go, and they do a lot of research, and they give you the history of the place that they're looking at. Um, and they definitely deserve a follow, because the majority of urbex on YouTube is just people with... Jedwood haircut screaming and pretending they heard a ghost. Okay, and then we're getting pretty close to the end here. Um, something from previous podcasts that's influenced or inspired your work. I mean, to say my work would be assuming that I'm actually allowed to shoot at the moment given the stupid pandemic, but there's been plenty of stuff in there that's been inspiring. You know, Eli Warren's episode, I mentioned him a moment ago. Uh he basically pushed me over the edge on shooting film because I love his work so much. He also made me really reevaluate the work that I was doing in a sense of kind of breaking it down into series and working on a similar style over and over again to kind of develop that style as opposed to just kind of constantly moving from one thing to another. Peter Coulson and uh, I'll talk about Peter Lindbergh, talking about the rawness and how models now are not what they used to be and that it's very hard to find models that have uh, an attitude and a mood and a love for what they do. You know, there's been something on just about every single episode that that has been inspiring. And, and what I tend to do is I have my list of questions written out in front of me. And most of the time, they're written very shorthand. And as I'm going, I sort of pick up on buzzwords that they're saying or keywords of whatever. I just pick up as I go along and I'm writing down little notes. And I always come to the end and I'm, I'm like, I realized I focused in on one particular element. So there's something from every single episode. And I think it depends on the mood that you're in as well. Listening to people talk about things outside of photography and influencing them has been really interesting to me because um, I think that's something that's definitely missing from a lot of photographers is that ability to look outside of photography for influence. Because otherwise, if you're always looking within the same pool that you're in, it kind of just, again, it becomes... It becomes incestuous. And then I don't know why this is, has to be the last question. I guess it's just down to the order that I've um I've put these in. Basically being just copying them off of Instagram. Uh, but have I ever disagreed with guests? Yeah, uh, p- pretty commonly. Um, and I've had messages in the past from people uh, who know me on a couple of occasions, quite shitty messages, where they've accused me of essentially pandering or or sort of kissing ass or whatever because I haven't jumped on something that I disagree with well firstly the podcast isn't there for me the podcast is there for the guest and the people that are listening to episode 32 with Carl McDougall an episode I'm picking at random the people that are, are, are tuning into that aren't tuning in to listen to me disagree with Kyle McDougall about something that he obviously has his way of doing and I have mine or, or you know, Eli Warren's one or Peter Coulson's one or Madison Beach's one or whatever, whoever it may be, there may be something in there that I don't agree with, but that's not what people are tuning in for. And, and secondly, um, something that I think is greatly missing from um, the current age that we're living in is having the ability to listen To opinions that differ from your own. It really doesn't hurt you that much to listen to what other people think and to hear something from a different perspective and give a different perspective respect and time to speak. And the podcast isn't there for me to constantly chip in with what I think of why someone else shouldn't think something. They're absolutely entitled to have their opinion. I'm entitled to have mine. And Um, opinions as the old saying goes are a lot like assholes and I don't think anyone that's tuning into the podcast is asking asking to see mine so that's the reason why I hope that doesn't come across as me being pissed off that's just the genuine truth so thank you again to the people that have submitted questions I'm hoping that something in there was close to resembling a useful answer thanks again to all of the guests I've had on the podcast previously and the ones coming up from here on out it won't be any more episodes of me doing this until I guess episode 200, if we reach that. Massive thanks to the people that have been on twice, um, because obviously that's that's twice the punishment. Uh, huge thanks again to the people that support me through Patreon. Massive thank you, Jason Hunter, Peter Hutchison, Dan L and Jason Wade. Uh, it really is appreciated. And for those that either don't want to or can't support the podcast through Patreon, Um, I would really appreciate if you could share your favorite episode on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or wherever um, to just help build up the audience. The bigger the audience gets, the bigger um, the pool of people to hear about all of this amazing work that my guests have talked about and hopefully build a bigger community, get more and more people on. I can learn about more and more great photographers and it just becomes a really big positive cycle. Um, So yeah, if you can share episodes and that is a huge bonus. Uh, but thank you so much for taking the time to listen and we will immediately get back into guest episodes starting with 101 brian burks thank you so much about to leave already packing come with me i'm not really asking we'll get away to a place where we- can be, life with no distractions, we'll get away, this is what we waited for.